Hello and welcome to Weebspawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Little Nightmares 2. As always, spoilers ahead. And I think it's a pretty good way to start out the spooky season. Oh yeah, it is spooky season. That was completely coincidental. And I'm pretty sure we did Little Nightmares 2 at the end of spooky season last time. Well, Little Nightmares 1. 1, yeah. Right. (laughs) So, Little Nightmares 2 is actually a prequel to Little Nightmares 1, which was is in a debated topic, which I'm pretty sure the creators have specified that it is a prequel. I don't know why people are still arguing about it, but yeah, it is definitely a prequel to Little Nightmares 1. So on February 11th of 2021, the game was released for Windows, Stadia, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One, and versions for PlayStation 5, the Um, Xbox Series X and S are set to be released at a later date. Overall, this game, much like the first one, received positive reviews upon release, and it was praised towards its graphics, atmosphere, gameplay, and sound, while being criticized by its control, which it's a little weird because it's almost like a 2.5D game, but it has 3D aspects to it at certain points, so it's a little weird. So I see where the criticism is coming from, but knowing how the first game played, I think the control was a little bit better, and I don't see why this was really much of a criticism, because I don't think they could have changed it all that much from the first game, because it was kind of already set in stone. So, um, a final thing, within one one month of release of this game, the game has sold one, uh, one million units worldwide, which kind of shows how popular it was right away because the first game got a lot of praise and a lot of popularity and this one just kind of rode that and in my opinion it was better than the first one which usually doesn't happen with a uh, second game so this one definitely was very good and got the sales that it deserved so unfortunately i never got to play it I've watched like the entire run through and everything of it, so I can't really say anything about the controls. I did play the first one, and from what I saw, it honestly didn't look that different. So I'm a little confused at the whole criticism thing. Well, the the criticism, yeah, I think it's just because I believe they got criticism for the control of the first one too, just because it's it's very wonky the way it controls because it's a it takes that perspective of 2.5 d so i don't know those never really get good criticism towards controls i don't know it's one of those things that i can overlook it because of how spectacular the game is and just the game overall that's how it was designed so i don't really see why this is a really big criticism towards it people are used to modern games 3d yeah, because to me, if anything, the controls felt like Little Big Planet, mm-hmm. where yeah. you were like three D and and like almost like a two D perspective. How you got like I don't know how to describe it, <laughs> but it, it's a side scroller. But you still got to go like backwards, 
or right. like into the background into the foreground middle ground like all that stuff so which to me i don't see why not because it it the whole thing is more centered around the story like it is very story centric so if you had it too actiony uh, yeah yeah and this but, game really wouldn't have worked in a normal 3D game environment, 2.5D was really the only way they could have done this. Yeah. But so unlike Little Nightmares 1, we are not in control of 6. We are actually following the ca- character known as Mono, and he must work alongside with 6 to safe- safely travel through Pale City. It, it's definitely different because I was under the impression that we were going to play as six. So when we got to started playing as mono, I was very confused. But they definitely threw a little twist in there that I enjoyed. So it, I was expecting one thing, got another, and I'm not upset about it. So in our Little Nightmares 1 episode, we talked about a lot of theories. And my favorite theory was that this world was so twisted and dark because of how Six, who is a child, perceives this world, which I still think is true to an extent. I know you and I argued about this in the in the mm-hmm. Little Nightmares 1 episode about this, but I have some quotes to support my theory a little bit. So, And I have the thing, different theories to disprove <laughs> that theory. <laughs> the only thing standing in my way here is the supernatural aspects, but whatever. I, I still ignore those completely. But in an interview with the narrative designer, uh, Dave uh, Mervick, he was talking about the janitor and his grossly stretchy arms from the first game and said, this does exemplify what Little Nightmares is all about, which is the exaggerated way that a kid sees the world. Like these terrifying figure authorities or people who have seen larger than life, or people who seem larger than life in their nightmares who have total control over their destiny. There's all these primal fears that kids process in different ways. That's what we say for all the characters in Little Nightmare you encounter. There is this stretching and twisting and distorted of characters that you see. So he's talking about the janitor and how these kids perceive him as this grandiose creature with these weird arms. That's all about how they see him. It might not actually be a weird stretchy boy. So based on that, I believe you're able to strip away most of the supernatural aspects of the game and blame those purely on imagination of the children within the game. They perceive the world in such a twisted way, possibly because of the life that they have experienced prior to what we encounter in the games. So they had have this twisted sense of reality because of everything we didn't see before we started playing as them. So I don't know. Do you think the supernatural can be stripped away or do you still believe that this world has supernatural elements and can be written off as or and cannot be written off as just because a kid imagined it so i won't say it's not exaggerated by a kid but i 100 percent believe that there's supernatural going on i mean literally the ending like you see so this is major spoiler alert so if like if you were trying to because i'm about to spoil the ending so if you have any wanting for any surprise skip ahead like a minute and you can see us start talking about the beginning before we get to our theories so i'll give you about five seconds to skip ahead okay so we literally see mono a normal kid 
get warped and twisted into the thin man. You're telling me that is just purely imagination from a kid point? I mean, he didn't get warped and twisted. He was sitting in a chair. He has supernatural powers! It was a a time lapse. He was sitting there for ages. With no food. It showed no food. Well, we might not necessarily see that because it was all fast forward and stuff. But If he's a kid that small compared to everyone else, are you telling me everyone, like, kids are naturally born, like, two feet high? Okay, but and then grow again, to be I, like ten foot. I explained that in the first one is everything appears larger to them because they are children, so they seem really small and um, tiny. But really, it's just their perception of the world. And if he was left alone in like maybe an orphanage or something, and was kept there and was never like adopted, and he grew up to be this man, he might still have the mentality of a child. So he might think he's extremely tall, but really he's just a normal sized person towering over the children so he might seem tall like he's taller than tall. the inhabitants what he's taller than the inhabitants again that might just be his twisted maybe he's just like a really tall kid and he just has this sense of being a giant okay then what about the eyes all that grotesque the tower it could maybe he's in charge of a security team now <laughs> Yeah, I'm not gonna go for that. I I 100% believe there's supernatural phenomenons mm. going because there's not one, there's not two. There were multiple people that have like special abilities. So yeah, but they I, could just I think be... you can't just write it off as it's just kids' imagination. I don't know. I, I think... think I can write most of these abilities off to a child's imagination. Okay, how do you explain sixes? What the the death whatever the death touch that's no the fact that she can absorb other people's powers what well we only see six absorb mother's power or the not mother woman he she gets a mono's power too when did she get mono's power at the end because mono's the only one that can go through that um like force field thing well, she went. Th- so when she en- exited the door of the tower, she came out of a TV. She didn't. Yeah, it wasn't the only choice. person that it, can do that is Mono. No, that was that was the ability of the tower, not or the no, like the man, the man's tower. Because th- when you see, you see six banging on a TV screen, and then Mono comes and starts pulling her out, but then Thin Man comes and grabs it. Six could not come out of their own TV screen without the power of mono. I don't recall what you're referring to. Literally before they get to the tower, the actual tower, like when Six gets kidnapped by the Thin Man, he sees, Mono sees Six in the TV, banging on the inside to get out. And the only way she's able to get out is when Mono comes through the TV to grab her and pull her out. But right as he pulls her out, the Thin Man grabs her again and drags her back in. So what you explained doesn't show Six taking this power. At the end, because she wouldn't have been able to go through that TV, that little force field, without Mono's power. When she left the tower... When she let Mono die, she went through a door, which was a portal. And no, it was covered by the electromagnetic field or whatever. 
She couldn't go out by herself. I, I would have to rewatch. I don't. I'm not recalling there's, fully, but I. I there's don't, literally like an electromagnetic field blocking the entrance. I don't recall. We're gonna have to move on from this because I don't. <laughs> I don't remember this, but when she left the tower, she left through a door, which brought her outside of the TV. Because it was trapped Which, by an electromagnetic field before she could go out. But yes, she no. went through a door. I, we'll pull it up right now. I don't believe. We're let's move on because <laughs> we're not going to agree, and I don't want to watch a video right now. <laughs> so yeah, I I'd still believe there is supernatural aspects. I if I still believe you're incorrect on this, but <laughs> I don't um, know how you can. Like, there are so many supernatural powers in all the games. How do you just deny I think all most, that? I think most of them could be chalked up to a child's imagination. So, Even let's move when on. when a butler is floating? <laughs> the what? With his hands behind his back? Who? The butler in a Very Little Nightmares, the mobile I didn't, version. I know nothing about Very Little Nightmares. Like, so three I, of the I people there have supernatural powers. I can't um, form an opinion based on those. The, the chick literally so, makes people disappear. We're... Okay, <laughs> anyway, moving on, because I didn't see little, very little on our <laughs> But one thing we also talked about in our prior episode was we thought about the game being co-op because we originally saw, like, two people. So we thought maybe... If you guys ever played like Sonic 2 or like Lego Star Wars or something where you got two people, but generally sometimes like the second player doesn't really control and is more just there where the first person is still like the priority, player one still the priority. So player one goes through a door, it will automatically drag player two. So that's what I kind of figured it was going to end up being. But it did not end up going that way. And honestly, I kind of think from what I saw, I think it's better off that way. Especially it wouldn't make sense in some of the cinematic parts where like Six gets kidnapped and stuff like that. Because then it's like, okay, well, if you're player two, do you not do anything now? Like, do you just sit here? So I think it would have been a little weird if it was going on so based on like storyline and everything uh i'm glad it stayed as a single player yeah i would agree i originally hoped that it'd be a co-op game just because i thought it would change the experience of the world originally we were alone experienced everything as a single individual and i felt experiencing it as a partnership would have been a very unique way to play the game plus i think the puzzles would have been very enjoyable but as I played this game, I quickly took that opinion back. I remembered that this is a game about one's own choices and the experiences and playing as a team kind of would have diminished that in my eyes. Plus, this is a horror game and playing with a friend definitely would have reduced the fear and tenseness of each situation that you're put in. So I think overall, I enjoyed the game more as a single player than I would have if it was a multiplayer. And to quote the lead producer, just about um what like their choice between it he said this was lucas uh russell i believe it's pronounced he said it was decided decided early on to have a solo game and move to a new main character for little nightmares 2 
From there, adding Six as an AI companion offered several opportunities, and it actually allowed for a more complex level design and longer puzzles that would rely on players' ability to understand Six and work with her. So I thought that was cool because you do start to learn visual cues of what Six is doing, like pointing at something or standing near certain areas. You kind of learn like, oh, maybe this is the way I'm supposed to go and this is how I'm supposed to complete this puzzle. Plus, it did add for a little more complexity in puzzles because you could go down corridors and you could completely change things. And then Six would be waiting in certain areas. So, like you said, it would have been weird. Or they wouldn't have been able to do these puzzles with co-op because like you said a co-op player would have just been kind of sitting there doing nothing so unless they did split screen but i don't think that would have worked well so yeah i think it was um a little better here with uh how they went about it so a quick side note on some of the previous characters uh that i just wanted to add just because I thought this was kind of interesting because we had all these theories about certain people. So the woman, who is also called the lady in the first game, Mervic admits that he actually has a definitive uh, canical backstory for this character, but refuses to reveal it. Instead, he revels in the mi- or has a char- uh, players revel in the mysteries that have kept the players postulating ever since. So he doesn't want to actually reveal the backstories of any characters because he wants us to think of them and have these arguments that we're having right now. So I thought that was interesting. So they have a definitive backstory for the woman, but they won't tell us because we have this theory in the first one in the first episode that she was actually the mother of six, which I don't know if I believe anymore, but I definitely, yeah, I don't think I do just because since this is a prequel, it kind of would break that um, connection. So Dan, I have a few evidence in my grand <laughs> arsenal. To, yeah, to disprove that as well. Okay. And then one character that we never actually mentioned because she was in the DLC was the granny. And she was one of the... I thought this was just interesting. Granny is one of the only few monsters who actually directly kills... Or the player actually directly kills. And... They tease that the second game would explore that idea a little further, which they definitely do right away explore the <laughs> idea of killing a monster very early in the game. So uh, Russell says, I think the second game offers an interesting standpoint in regard in that regard, whether we kill our pursuers or not, because we definitely play with that question. Do I have to kill her or can you simply escape it? You might have the choice. And I don't, really know if there's ever a choice given to us but if there was i definitely always chose to kill not really thinking about it so i don't recall a really a choice either yeah so yeah i don't remember a choice because there were two characters that i remember killing and i'm just like holy shit like that was kind of dark especially like right at the beginning you get it Mm mm-hmm fucking shotgun to the face was it to the face i thought it was more like to the chest but i mean yeah it was yeah probably. either way but speaking of that we'll finally get into the actual gameplay of the second one so the first chapter or first little 
portion you can say of the game is called the woods and much like the first game you wake up in a strange place and there's no tutorial to guide you which i think also is another great aspect of this game and everything is up to you to figure out as well as the interpretation of the setting and events that take place because just like mervic Mav- uh, right mm-hmm. is that how you yeah, pronounce it i believe so Mervic said how he has a canonical backstory for his character. There's been multiple interviews where people would ask, oh, you have so many theories of it, of like what's going on in this city and all this stuff. How, or can you tell us what is actually going on? And like one of his responses is, you know, the best thing about storytelling is that we've been avoiding that question for years. And that's it. Like, he straight up just avoided the question. <laughs> yep. So, that's what, like, everything is literally up until ter- interpretation. And so, there's going to be so many theories based on, like, every little detail out there. People are going to connect. But, you, anyways, you wake up in the woods, and as you travel, you encounter many obstacles to climb over and even shuffling through leaves. But... You have to be careful, because remember, this isn't always, this is far from a very kind world. (laughs) As you travel, you may encounter more traps than you did in the previous game. Literally, like, bear traps in the leaves. If you just, first blind, you probably ran right into one. And so now you have to think about everything around you, pretty much think of everything is out to get you. So you must find your way through bear traps, net traps, and even rolling logs. Your environment seems to get even harsher as you travel forward because you keep finding stray <laughs> shoes or body bags hung from trees, which definitely implies whatever inhabits these woods is not a friendly being. And after navigating the woods, you find yourself in a cabin. Yeah. What? Fucking cabin. I swear. This... This was a very interesting area because inside the cabin you follow music and navigate your way to a basement where you find a child trapped inside a small room. And you can make some guesses about the identity of the child based on the trailers and the cover of the game, but at that point you really couldn't be 100% sure because you kind of have this thought like maybe this is six, but we never truly knew until we got to Pale City. So the child doesn't really trust you and runs away, but you follow and you're trying to escape. Or, but um, yeah, as you follow, you try to escape this cabin and you guys are kind of working together because it's more, more of like, I don't trust you, but you're my only chance of getting out of here. So you two work together to make your escape and you go through some rooms that are filled with people who are taxidermed or taxidermied, however you say that word. <laughs> So this definitely adds to a little bit of anxiety to being in this house. So before escaping, you actually encounter the living resident of the house. And this is a large man with a sack over his head known as the hunter. And he notices you two and he grabs the gun and the chase is on. So you run out of the house and you find yourself running through various obstacles and terrain to escape. Often running... Yeah eventually running through a bog or swamp to avoid detection, which was really cool because it gave you a different environment to play with because when we were in the mall, 
there was really only one or two different things that you could hide under. Like it was pretty consistent with what you were doing, but this added a bunch of different ways to avoid detection. So this leads to a very suspenseful experience. But after a bit of time and progressing and avoiding the hunter, you make it to this shack where you take asylum for a minute. But the hunter knows you're there and he attempts to break the door down, which gives you enough time to notice the shotgun that is mounted on the wall. So you guys kind of climb up and grab the shotgun, you take aim, and you fire as the hunter is in position. And you murder this hunter, and you can truly escape now. And after this, you and your companion find a raft and sail across the swamp. So, when... When I experienced this, when I shot him and just murdered him, I was just like, wow, what a what a way to build an unbreakable bond with a random stranger that you just met. You randomly stumble into a serial killer's home. You find a small child that's similar in age to you that is locked in this person's basement. You get caught, you escape, and you blow a man's fucking face off. So they're bonded for life, like forever. But in all seriousness, this was like really shocking part of the gameplay for me because it kind of set a precedent to what you were going to experience the rest of the game. And as I said, excluding the side story DLC in the first game, this was the first person we ever truly just like murdered, which was pretty brutal. And we also murdered the woman, I guess, and we ate her face. So that was kind of intense, but it was the end of the game. So that was different. So... Yeah, this was a a very enjoyable part of the game, but your heart be- was beating the entire time and shooting him in the face was just a way to, I don't know, ease some tension, but also add a little bit throughout the game. So I enjoyed this very much. Set a serious tone. Yeah, definitely gave you a different perspective in this game than like, the first one because like the first one you don't really directly kill anyone i'm pretty sure we killed the janitor when we cut his arms (laughs) off i mean we we don't truly know (laughs) yeah like he could still definitely uh, live but like seeing how people react i have a feeling if they saw him armless and he couldn't do his job they may not have been so kind to him yeah the chefs probably took him and chopped him up yeah, but like like we said, we don't actually know. Who knows? Maybe he got prosthetic arms. But <laughs> now you got to, like, we actually killed people, and it's just like, okay, now you really know it's, like, survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. And I think that also helped set the tone that this game was going to be a lot deadlier than the first one. Because in the first one, it was more hide-and-seek, where this one, I feel like it's more, like, it, there were really moments where it was eat or be eaten. Mm-hmm. Literally. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was a pretty good change. And I think that's also why it felt so refreshing to play this game. Because it, it was the same game, but it almost took like a different approach while still staying true to the whole universe. The little nightmare universe. Agreed. And so once we get... Through after the 
we escape through the swamp and everything we and we find that raft and we sail across we end up going into pale city and after oh i said that line <clears throat> and you like immediately get these like creepy vibes just strolling up the buildings are towering over the over the landscape and are leaning precariously like almost like bent and it's just like everything is either falling apart or it's like bent in this weird shape and you just know something is going on here and this decrepit town seems abandoned as you explore the street and buildings are empty and the only traces of people are clothes that are like lying around and the clothes is like lying in a way makes it seem like people just vanish out of nowhere because it they'll be like on the bench as if someone was like sitting there and then just disappeared without a trace and yeah, you can't that help was weird yeah you can't help but theorize like what happened and so i don't waste too much time i'll I'll explain this in my theory later on, but there's like, obviously everyone has different theories on like what's going on, but it's just these details that they put in and just make you speculate everything that just makes it such a good game. And through exploration, you find yourself at a school where you and Six make your way inside. The place is very creepy because as you explore, there are children running around, but you can never get close to them. But once you do, it's even creepier. I would not be able to handle this because <laughs> you find out they are fucking dolls. <sighs> I get yeah. goosebumps just thinking about that. And once you find out these are dolls, you have to avoid them or you end up fighting them to escape. But the children aren't even the worst of it. The teacher is what is the real nightmare fuel. So there were, I think even in the first one, people theorized like who are these different people paintings on the wall? Cause I think she was in the painting in the mall. I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah. I think but, a couple people were actually, which is weird. Yeah, so you, she basically has like what every like elementary schooler pictured as like this old mean teacher that the entire class hated. She even has her own like ruler. She like smacks on either <laughs> the desk or a hand. It's like your very typical like what like nineteen fifties. Yeah, like your very typical like nun teacher who would like smack the shit out of you and stuff. Super strict. She's very wrinkly, mean thing that yells at the children and walks around their classroom. But when you're caught, she no longer walks, but rather her fucking neck extends and elongates and follows you like this snake. It's terrifying running from her after she spots you. But eventually you do escape the school without actually killing her this time. Though I'm curious as to how, because you skate through a vent, and though her her, he, her fucking skull has got to be made out of fucking <laughs> steel, because we're in this vent and she's just brute forcing her way through and denting it, 
and there were even like handles and shit that yeah. she had to go through and she didn't even bleed so yeah she she was she was very creepy and the fact that it followed you out the entire way was absolutely terrifying she gives a new meaning to the word thick-headed <laughs> yeah seriously so this game like just just this first experience that you get in pale city it does a really good job of breaking away from what you expected the game to be based on the first one the first game was a game where you were very much alone excluding the short portion of the game where you're running from customers but it was basically you versus one enemy and the only companionship you had were these gnomes that ran around the ship so starting this game i assumed it would be kind of similar when i saw these children running around i had my suspicions of them but i assumed that they might be friendly and even help us escape but I was horribly wrong. They definitely broke away from the single player or single enemy gameplay and gave us an opportunity to feel the heat from multiple angles and multiple enemies. On top of that, they weren't even humans. Like the dolls, that was just so creepy. So on top of the main boss that we had to avoid, these guys were, they just added something different because you expected children to be on your side, but then you find out they're not actually children and you have multiple enemies. So it definitely broke away from the first game while keeping a similar vibe. So I really liked that. But the main boss, it it changed the gameplay for me in this particular segment of the game. Because there really wasn't anywhere to hide from her. Her long neck could look around any object and go underneath, do- um, underneath desks and stuff. So the goal really was to av- avoid her and not get detected. So, yeah, she she definitely made you change your gameplay a little bit, and I really enjoyed this enemy. Yeah, so after you escape this segment, you start to get a little more lore as you're on the back street, back city streets. So you start seeing these bodies falling from the sky, which makes you kind of wonder, like, what's going on? And as you get deeper in the city, you you see more and more of this, and things just get weirder. So you're kind of theorizing what's going on and like the lore of of this city but you really can't dwell on that because as you make your way onward you find yourself in a new environment which is a hospital and no horror game is complete without a hospital so this is where we encounter two enemies um one is again breaking away from the single enemy model we have these patients of the hospital which are mannequins so we're kind of getting this theme of when we have multiple enemies, it's going to be something that's human-like, but it's not human. We have dolls, now we have mannequins, and they are creepy and somewhat inconspicuous at first because you think, okay, there's a bunch of mannequins, they're not doing anything, but obviously you know they're going to start moving. But you see so many that you start to get used to them, and as you progress, the lights go out. And they all start to come alive. And their only weakness is your flashlight that temporarily immobilizes them. So this was really the scariest part of the game for me. Because you, at some point, have six or more enemies coming at you at once from different angles and directions. So this was a very tense situation. And it was difficult to manage because I kept getting nervous during it. So I kept messing up. So... 
yeah that was that was a really entertaining part and this was probably one of my favorite sections just because the mannequins were so cool but then you also have the doctor that crawls on the ceiling which is your typical single enemy big boss type of guy and i didn't really like him um but i also wasn't too because i wasn't too worried about him he didn't actually do all that much i feel like there was a lot of potential but he was the weakest of the enemies because he just wasn't that difficult he had very little screen time and compared to the others he was the easiest to avoid so yeah he was my least favorite enemy but he had one of my favorite escape sequences because you have this intense chase scene where you're climbing and crawling over beds and cabinets that are falling over and you barely escape you crawl into a, a cremation furnace only to sneak out of a vent that's on the um, base of the furnace you crawl underneath the gurney type thing and he's in there trying to like grab you and you crawl out without him knowing and you shut him in and you turn on the furnace and it was very brutal because you heard him screaming and you almost kind of feel bad for the guy and on top of that you kind of see six's twisted mind a little bit i don't know if you want to talk about that portion a little bit you know what's funny is I was going to mention this before I actually like saw this, <laughs> but yeah, you get a, a little sneak peek of kind of what's going on with uh, Six because as this is all going down and like you said, you escape through this vent, she just kind of like sits down and puts her hands out and like warms them like you're sitting by a campfire. And so you're just like, this person like you can still hear him like <laughs> screaming and like pounding on the door and she's just like ah, nice ah, warm so fire. toasty got any marshmallows and like well there's even in the scene where after she gets kidnapped from these like dolls and stuff and you rescue her the next time you go up to a doll she sneaks up behind it and grabs its head and just like is repeatedly smashing it against the mm. floor. Yeah, I do remember that. It's like you kind of look at her and you're just kind of having this thought of like how broken she is. But for me at the same time, it's kind of hard to like just immediately say she's like evil for doing that. Like she's had a lot mm -hmm. of fucked up things going on. Yeah. Not to mention like what she's seen the dolls try to kidnap her uh, twice, and oh no, I think only once. And what's who knows tried to kill her and all this stuff. So there's a lot of I can't like just dismay like I can't just say it's the right or wrong thing. So you guys are up to decide. I personally don't hold it against her for doing her little things. Like yeah, it's a little fucked up, but at the same time, what they're doing, I think it's more fucked up. Yeah. So if she can get a little a bit of relief from this, then mm -hmm. I say, why not? Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think she's in the wrong here because she was locked in a serial killer's basement for who knows how long. So she obviously has some pent up aggression towards adults of this world. But it's like this man is burning alive. You can see the smoke and heat coming out of the furnace. She just plops her little hands over the fire and just enjoys it. It has... It does have like a nice sense of justice because these kids are being put through so much and it's, it is a fucked up moment, but 
yeah, you have to think about where she's come from and what she's experienced. I don't think this is like you said. I don't think it compares to what she was put through. After you manage to escape from this school, we are once again in hospital. the city. Oh, hospital. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we already escaped the school. We're in the hospital. Once you escape the hospital, we are back into the city where you start to see people like killing themselves and jumping from buildings, which kind of answers the question of why are bodies falling from the skies? But then we start to get a new question like, why are they doing this? And that is answered by the looming radio tower in the background that seems to be attracting them. And because you kind of get that with like all these TVs that go around. There's even a time where you had to turn off TVs, turn on TVs to like distract them. So we know something is causing them to be addicted to this TV because we've seen a person literally walk off like a balcony to try to reach a TV that was on the other side. But that brings us to our next boss, the thin man. The thin man seems to use the TVs to travel and has some sort of spatial manipulation. And he manages to capture six. And I should mention before I get too into this, there are times throughout while we're in the city that we see Mano has like the same power because he gets, he has at the very beginning, you get a like scene, just like in the first one where you got to see the lady, you see the thin man at the very beginning of the game. And as you're going into the city, he gets drawn to the TV and is trying to go through it. Just kind of like in the first one, how six had these hunger pains. And as he's like going through, he finally reaches the door and unlocks it and that's what makes thin man able to reach out and come out and that's when he comes out through the tv and captures six now that puts us on a rescue mission so we end up learning our ability to go through the tvs and are trying to travel to get him which we eventually do confront the man and rather than running like the others, we actually defeat him by like unlocking whatever power we had within us and overpowering his psychic abilities with our own. He like takes off his paper bag and he's like, I'm done with this. Time to unleash my true power. But yeah. The bag was just suppressing his powers. <laughs> The bag was suppressing his powers. It's like it's like Mewtwo when he had that armor on, it was suppressing his uh his psychic abilities same thing with mono here <laughs> so after we managed to defeat him you end up going to rescue six from inside the tower which proves to be a rather dangerous thing you would assume like all time and space have been like manipulated in this tower like shit's floating in the air you go through one door and it leads you to the same hallway and it's all this going back and forth through these doors to you finally locate six. But something's not quite the same with her. Oh, wonder what? <laughs> She's basically a fucking troll. Six, yeah. Almost and has like these elongated arms like the janitor, but also like feet too that 
almost seem like broken as she's like walking and she still has this like music box that she's like holding on to and of course you get an axe and you're like nah 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 here let me see that for a moment bam you hit it and she freaks out and so six essentially ends up becoming like the almost like the last boss battle and you have to use your this ability to get like warp through these corridors to hit the music box which when you finally are able to six turns back into normal six and but like as soon as that happens the tower reveals its true self which is this eye monstrosity thing that's trying to swallow them up so now you two must run and escape the building and six gets ahead of you and you're like following right behind her and at the end you're running along this long crumbling staircase that leads to the exit six manages to make it but the path ahead ends up collapsing so you have to jump and just like all the other times she always gives you like a boost or like she grabs your hand and pulls you up six manages to catch you but as you are hanging waiting for six to pull you up she looks you in the eyes and then lets go and then you see her slowly walk through the exit and leaves and you are left behind consumed by the building a scene shows you sitting in a chair alone in a room time passes day after day you end up growing into the adult and you find out mono is actually the thin man bum, 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 bum. yeah i really enjoyed this section of the game because at some point like when we were playing through it it was just craziness and there was a scene where the train was happening where we're like we detached a train car and the thin man was chasing us and he's on a different car than us and he just watches us roll away it was at that moment i don't know why but like mono and the thin man stared at each other and i it just clicked i was just like oh my god like we are the thin man i don't know if it was just that connection of them staring at each other i it gave me the impression that they had some sort of connection i'm like holy shit i don't know how i don't know why but mono is the thin man that is me so i thought that was a really cool little transition like we we played the villain the entire game i thought that was awesome yeah, I didn't think of it until, like, we actually faced him when he took off, like, his mm. paper bag. And then he... Because, like, I had my suspicions because I was like, huh, he's able to go through TVs just as the Thin Man can. Like, once that whole sequence yeah. went up, that's when I was like, hmm, something seems fishy about that. Yeah, there was, there was some point where we were walking down a hallway and like the door was there and i'm just like okay this is starting to confirm it but yeah it was just really cool like things just started to click and i i thought that was awesome so yeah oh oh no go ahead i was gonna say so that is not the end of the game though it is for most of us if you didn't manage to find all 18 glitched remains which were these like shadowy dead figures i think i only found like seven or eight of them that might be generous because they were apparently everywhere, 18 of them throughout this game after you get to Pale City. This scene 
there's another scene, hidden scene, after you get all these remains. So this scene shows Six escaping the tower, and she is standing in a room, um, which is in front of a TV, because that's how she escaped. She looks across the room, and she sees herself, but she sees herself as a glitched remain. The glitched remain seems to glance down at a poster that's on the ground, and that poster actually has a picture of the maw on it. And then this is when we hear Six's stomach rumble and the scene goes black. So I think at that point, that obviously shows that this game is a, a prequel. Like There's no defeating that because it's showing that... Because this whole game, she went without being hungry. And then it shows a picture of the mall, which obviously is her next destination. So it just kind of clicks all right there that this is a prequel. I don't know why there's debate on it. <laughs> but... From what I've been reading, um, people seem to know, or people seem to not know that until this scene. But I figured it was a prequel since the moment that Six put on the raincoat to reveal that she was Six. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like, this is definitely where we're going with this game. But this scene, I feel like, threw a lot of wrenches in our prior theories. It and threw a wrench in literally about uh, every yeah. single theory I had was yeah. just, like, thrown out the window. Yeah, basically every single theory of the previous game is gone. And I think we should spend some time to talk about that because we've been we've been hyping it up this entire time. So, yeah, you want to go first? Because I know you've been dying for some theory crafting. I mean, I kind of want... Mine's a little stretched at the end. So, if you want to go first you can't i mean i'm down to it but <sighs> yeah i, I mean feel like i have a lot to defend mine stuff with yeah. so mine might take longer my theory is gonna be pretty quick because my theory obviously was along with many other people's was that six was the woman's daughter and she was cast aside because of maybe her abilities or whatever and the man that was hung hanged was her father possibly because I don't know. It all seemed to fit right. But that it doesn't hurts. really make sense anymore. <laughs> um, but I do believe that the Pale City is... I, I believe the school is crafting students to become more like these adults. Maybe they're trying to... I don't know if these students are actually dolls or if that's how we're perceiving them because... We might be perceiving them as dolls because they're almost like cookie cutter. We're looking at these students that are being manipulated in a way they're all the same. So they seem like they're manufactured. I don't know if that's true. Maybe they're just being trained to be soldiers or raise the next generation. I don't know because we go into the hospital too. We actually see the guy creating these mannequins and these dolls and stuff. So that kind of shows that the hospital and the school are connected in some sort of way. I'm not really sure how they're connected, but I feel like these kids are being used to kind of run this world in some fashion. Um, I, I'm still honestly not sure where the fat people come from in the mall, the guests. That's literally the only loophole I have in my yeah, theory. Maybe it's a different maybe they're not coming from Pale City though. Maybe it's a different city that has a different way they're running things. And Pale I'll City something about that. And maybe Pale City bit. is just being run by the thin man who is overseeing everything and making sure that's how everything runs. 
keep that thought in mind. Because okay, because um, the thin man, the thin man obviously has TVs and he's manipulating all the adults by mind controlling them through the TVs. So you said there was no supernatural abilities. Well, I mean, this could be the kids' ways of perceiving it because they're looking at these people who are just fucking brain dead in front of TVs. It could just be like they seem possessed, but they're really just really angry humans who love television. But casting that aside, if there were supernatural things, the thin man's controlling everyone through the TVs. And, oh, that brings me to the glitched remains. The glitched remains are kids that he snatched up while he was looking for six, I believe. Because, obviously, the whole point is he... I think the thin man is very angry that six let him die, or quote-unquote die. So he's using the TVs to find six. And... He's snatching up every kid that he can think of to get his revenge because there's actually, I believe, some theories to support this in the mall because I believe I saw a, theory, um, a video that showed the eye, eyes through the TV like he was watching through the television and this was in the first game. So there was already some like possible connections between the second game and the first game. It just wasn't fabricated yet. So I definitely think the goal of the Thin Man is to find Six and Killer, and Six is just trying to fucking survive. Have you... Did you read any of the comics? No, none of the comics. From what you said, like, is actually pretty spot on. From the comics? <laughs> yeah, that's why oh, I'm shit. like... I was about to say, well, they kind of answered some of the questions about the kid's disappearance is the thin man did take them. Oh my God. Like, according to the comics. That's why I'm just like, wait, you're yeah, no. acting like you don't know this. And I remember I'm just, you. I'm like, I remember you talking about the comics, but I've never looked at them yet. Yeah. There was like uh five comics or six comics, five, oh my gosh. five comics that came oh. out of five different kids or it may have been six. Cause I don't, I can't remember if there was a comment specifically about mono or if it was the, four other children and six but huh. yeah there was these kids that were like trying to escape or like one got caught by the teacher one uh got caught by the doctor but like all the spots that they were in the thin man saw like through the tv and like yeah, the thin I, man even grabbed one from the tv so that that's did start where to like the popularity of it that did sort of click for me was most of the areas where i did see glitches i saw tvs I don't know if it's 100% consistent through the game, but most of the glitches I found were near TVs. So I thought that was one of the things that kind of led me to that conclusion. Also, as to why I think Six dropped Mono Ooh. is because I think that while Six was captive by the Thin Man, she came to the realization that Mono and the Thin Man were the same. So when... Mono was, um, or when Six caught Mono, I think Six kind of like realized this was her only opportunity to get rid of Mono and possibly stop this from happening or something along those lines, like stop Mono from becoming the Thin Man. But in return, she actually created the Thin Man because he was pissed off about it. So I think she realized it and dropped him. That's the only possible explanation that I can think of. Six had some insight somehow. That's where me and you pretty much agree on towards the end. It's <laughs> funny how much we like agree and 
disagree on like <laughs> there are some topics we are completely on the opposite end of the spectrum and then some we are like Spot right on. like right at the same so a lot of my theory comes from literally everything i had access to the comics all three games and even some concept art that i will get into as i'm explaining it so one of the first things i wanted to debunk is the whole that six was the daughter of the lady and so if any of you guys still think that the main reason people thought that was there was painting of a little girl in a raincoat but if you haven't played the mobile version very little nightmares you find out the raincoat didn't originally belong to six it actually belonged to another girl who was is theorized to been escaping from the mall in a hot air balloon and crashed into what's called the nest and that's what the name of this island is and you play as her throughout the game and you see six kind of very much like in little nightmares 2 she's more of a helper not a playable character so as you're doing that you see her and you're trying to escape and this is like i mentioned spoilers ahead for like everything i'm about to say towards the end it's pretty much her and the uh, the girl i don't know i don't, i forget what the main chick little chick the successor or whatever name is but they both plummet to the ocean and not to come up again and all you see is a raincoat and then it's theorized that because six manages to get on a raft and you end up going to the forest where you are caught because there's a comic showing six running through the forest trying to hide from the hunter gets a scene where she actually sees mono hiding in the trees and she's caught in a daze and then she's eventually caught by the hunter and the Rainco managed to drift away to the city and that's where you find it because six knows it and if you know anything like with the music box how she was always cradling it because it's something familiar something like safe to her she saw this familiar item and she decided to use it and that's how she ends up getting the raincoat so i think that girl was originally the daughter of the lady not mm, six interesting also <laughs> in that what you said about the teacher raising future people to take over mm -hmm. i think it's also true because oh, sick <laughs> the nest which is why it's called the nest we think this little girl here because she also has this like supernatural powers because if you get caught she grabs you and you literally just evaporate Almost like the lady who can either transform kids into the gnomes or take their life force. Hold on. So it's so, almost like... So someone has the ability to evaporate people? Yeah. Do you think that might be why there's a lot of evaporated people in Pale City? I'll get to that in okay. a little bit. Okay. <laughs> but so it's also theorize that she's being raised as a successor to the lady and because she's the only one there at this point so it's like she's already has her power awakened she can already kind of control it so now she just has to learn 
like how to do it. And that's also why I said the kids might also be there. There's a painting with her and the legs of the hanging man and the teacher in this big portrait of her. Mm. So interesting. You can think of the hanging man as possibly the father of this right, little girl. Right. And then the teacher was the tutor and she's in the school because she found maybe potential kids who are trying to awaken their power. And then maybe once they go, they go to the nest to actually find out like what they need to learn based on where they need to go. And I'll get a little more on to that a little bit later. <laughs> so now I just need to put, we'll put a pin there and we'll come back to that. And so now she travel. we have six travel through the raft and she gets called by the hunter and the whole Mano comes and rescues her and we see paintings on the wall and we see a girl falling in a raincoat which also brings back the portion of the girl that fell and how like all that is connected and then we see her drawing a picture of the lady which gets people a little this is where it gets a little fuzzy but then there's an empty slot and then there's so you see the, the the lady falling, then like some marks or arrows pointing to an empty spot, which points to the the lady, and then there's also a picture of the tower on there. So with her, we don't know exactly how long she's been there, but I think part of the reason maybe is she also is getting not brainwashed, but she's definitely been affected by the tower and that's why towards the end how she, the tower was able to warp her and everything i think it's because it was already slowly seeping into her mind because even throughout the game like when you see the people falling to their deaths if you wait there a little bit you'll see six also stop and stare at the tower like it's calling out to her or she's being slightly affected by it and so as we go on, she gets her little raincoat and everything, like I said, because it's something familiar to her. And we go through all this and the fact that the thin man like controls the city and everything and the TVs, like the broadcast is what causes the, the people's face to like cave in just from like the mutation of the tower because it had different effects on people and that's one of the reasons if we go back to the first one and how we question why the janitor volunteered to get on the mall to work there and we were like what's so bad going on mainland that he had to volunteer to practically escape it and what's funny is his skin is almost melted off at least his eyes are so maybe he was actually getting affected by it and wanted to escape mm. and that's why he's in the mall now he gouged out his own eyes or something yeah to escape from the message or subliminal whatever that was going on in pale city and so the also the thing going on with the doctor there's also some concept art about it that they originally wanted those patients like lying on the bed and then there were TVs 
right above them and there was like this like grotesque almost like tentacle-esque thing going from their face to the tv like they were getting their like life force zapped out of them or something and the doctor would put them into these mannequins because people wanted or like people wanted to fix their faces whatever to get back to being human again and instead of fixing them he would put them in these mannequin bodies because there's a scene also while we're exploring there's like an electric chair Mm -hmm. and that is if you see some concept art too it's that's where he like i guess draws their soul or something from it and he's able to grasp whatever it is and that's how he's able to implement it in the mannequins and that's why they move because they're actually people Hmm. and the one theory that i saw that i agree with on why they freeze when you see them with the flashlight Mm -hmm. is because it reminds them of the operating table interesting of them being operated on and being put into these so they kind of like freeze just out of fear hmm so that's how that goes. The case of the missing people or the the reason why there's clothes is it's a I guess you can say it's a bit of a stretch also, but I think it works is the thin man actually does that is when they die or have no use to them anymore. Just kind of how the glitches are with the kids. But because the kids didn't, like, die naturally, that's why they leave the glitches behind because they were, like, forcibly taken when they, I guess, weren't supposed to. But the Thin Man takes them for the tower because at the end of the tower with all that, like, body mass and everything, it's all the people that have either died or it's no longer useful. So that's why there's piles of clothes because of all the people, like, just falling to their deaths or maybe sitting on the bench or like in all these other places that they just eventually just stop moving and practically just died. And they took them, the thin man uses power and took them. And that's why the clothes go or the clothes stay because it's like inorganic or whatever. And he can only take like the quote unquote, I guess like organic matter or whatever back to the tower. That's well, the only thing that part that's wouldn't like make close. sense though, because when he takes the kids, six, yeah, he takes the clothes. That's where it gets a little like wonky. I, I'm like, so why? Huh. Like, unless it's different if they're dead, maybe. Maybe. But the theory is like he's he's the one because he's the only one pretty much capable of taking a body and disappearing yeah. with it. I don't know. I I don't know anything about that one character who disintegrates people, but maybe they just went on a rampage and just started massacring Pale City. They could if, I guess, if she's still alive, but it's theorized she died in the water. Maybe she fell in the water and then drifted ashore in Pale City and was begging for help, and every person she touched vanished. I don't know if she would beg for help because she's very much a spoiled brat okay, maybe, princess type. Well, maybe that's why she would beg because now she has nothing. She needs food. <laughs> she needs food. But I guess that's also, that could actually be one theory. But 
that's where it's a, a, a little wonky. But Interesting. I like some of those things. Like, I like the path some of those things are taking. I really like the fact or the theory on the mannequins and the operating table stuff because, the, I mean, those were my probably my favorite villain of the game. So I really like that. And that would explain why Light hurt them and why they're alive to begin with. So, yeah. I and it also that. shows the reason why the doctor is actually, like, quote-unquote, trying to save that patient mm-hmm, when you he pretty needs... much... Yeah. That, yeah, that definitely... Because I was wondering, like, who that patient was to the doctor because he was so frantic. So that was cool. Yeah, I yeah. I like a lot of those theories. The only one and... that I really don't like was the reason for the disappearing bodies, but I don't have really much to counter that yeah like i read that and i'm like okay it makes sense and like the only thing i can think of the spin on it is like when they're dead like they died Mm -hmm. for some reason the when they're dead he can't grab them entirely versus when they're alive and he can forcibly take them that's why they leave a glitch behind Mm -hmm. so instead of leaving a glitch behind it leaves the clothes because the clothes can stay there because if you think of like space time continuum because he's already dead it doesn't matter where that body goes he's already dead he's already finished his timeline so he could take the body but the clothes has to stay because the clothes need to still be there because they can't quote-unquote die and that's why he doesn't they don't leave glitches behind because the glitches are a, a rip of space time so that's the only thing I can think of hmm. of why the clothes are left behind. Interesting. I so don't... we got the thin man, the the teacher, the doctor, and all that. Yeah. Tell me about six and why she dropped Nano. The coup de gras of it. So I also agree that part of it is she knows at the end Mono is the thin man, and that's why she drops him is because she thinks that if she drops him no more thin man problem solved and all that but what she actually created was a time loop now mm-hmm. and one instance that i think she also came back to save or quote unquote was going to save him also is that she couldn't just leave him behind because if she was originally like that cold-blooded she would have straight went through the exit. But if you rewatch the ending, she is walking towards the exit. She sees the force field thingy and then walk. That's when she turns around and walks back because she realizes she needs mono. And that's when she goes back to try to help him, grabs his hand. And this is when I think she either subconsciously or consciously was able to take some of his power, not all of it because she didn't kill him, but some of his power. And then she drops him because she did hold him there for a little bit, almost like enough to like look at him, piece together who he was and everything. And then drops him because of that. And the reason why I think she took his power, not only because she was able to go through that thing, But if you think about it, how many years probably have gone by when he turned from a child to the thin man, yet his child self 
was able to overpower him. Yeah, I was actually now, just going to say that. that. That would make sense if she took some of his power. That would make sense why we were able to defeat the Thin Man. And some people may think, oh, he wasn't trying to actually kill him because he's the same person. I mean, but that's if this, true, you, too. But my theory to counteract that is you got to think of it as a time loop. And because he knows what's going to happen if he if mono saves six six basically causes mono mm-hmm. to become the thin man so if he stops him from saving sticks then the cycle is broken so i don't think he would have held back to stop him he may have not used his he would have used his full power to kill him but i think he still would have used his full power as much as he could to incapacitate him so he couldn't like save six and like he would trap him or whatever so i still think that he was weaker then than he was as a kid because that part didn't happen yet mm-hmm. yeah i definitely think that he didn't have his full potential and that is why he lost i i don't know if I do think he probably would have went all out on himself just because if he kills his younger self, then the time loop is destroyed. So, and he doesn't want to be a monster, I don't think. But at the same time, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want to kill him just because he wants to get his revenge. And if he kills himself as a young child, then he wouldn't be able to get revenge because he wouldn't be an adult. I, yeah, like but, were, you can flip it anyway, but yeah. I still think the whole like he got some of his power snapped, and the whole reason the at the end the glitch happened with six on why she had a glitch because again she didn't take all his power, so she was she used it and she was able to escape, but now it split her. And mm. part of her now is the glitch and the whole why she has this hunger now is because part of her is gone. And so now something has to fill that. See, and that's why you get the hunger. And then that's also, if you remember in the first one, there's quote unquote shadow six, which I think is just the glitch six. Where They're one in the same. Yeah, there's and different spots where you see her eat you can Mm. see a a shadowy figure of six watching her do this Hmm. and you see that in all but one instance and that one instance is when she eats the lady Mm. when she finally consumes enough and gets her power to fill the hole that was left of the glitch so it also kind of theorized that maybe she can only take one power at a time because every other time she fed, you can see that shadowy figure. But when she eats the lady, she is nowhere to be seen, as if she's been satisfied. Interesting. So. Yeah, my only thought for the shadow figure was the fact that she was taken through the TV forcefully. So maybe the shadow figure or the glitch was from that. But that would make sense because normally the glitch happens where they're taken, I believe. And the fact that her glitch was where she exited the TV would make a lot of sense. Because hmm. she didn't fully control the power. She didn't yeah. have like it entirely, but just enough to get through. And so 
to wrap everything up, this is where my theory gets a little fetched, but I think fits. Besides what you mentioned about the fat people, that's the only little crevice that bothers me. Is I think the whole this is a whole play on the seven deadly sins. And the thin man represents sloth because everyone becomes like lazy or like glued to this TV. He can manipulate time and space, everything you would need to like essentially be lazy. You can teleport wherever you want instead of walking. So he's the embodiment of sloth. And I think that the fat people that get brought to the mall there's someone we haven't seen yet that is in charge of gluttony and he's like whatever fattening them up and maybe he has something with a a thing with the mall to get people to go there and some kind of trade or maybe it gets to be too many people so he has to thin the herd so he gives them to the mall so envy can come and Mm re-get her power which is the lady who is all like about beauty and all this stuff because we know in the DLC we actually see her face and it's pretty grotesque and that's why she wears the mask or it's also theorized that if you have these powers it warps your body somehow or it could potentially threaten your lifespan and that's why she needs like these sacrifices to keep her one her young looks and to also keep her alive and the reason why i think she's also envy not only because of that was back in very little nightmares the girl who is said to be the successor successor of her she's also i think pretty envious because she's the only person there and she gets people to forcibly create dolls from actual living kids <laughs> and to force them to be like tea parties and everything. And if she doesn't have something that other people has, she wants it. Mm. So if she truly was the successor of the lady, I think it fits her to be envy just as much as the lady. So that's my whole spin on the Little Nightmares universe is that this is essentially all the seven deadly sins very interesting i like that theory yeah i like that a lot that's what i've come up with a lot of the theories if you see some videos you'll know i took some stuff from a lot of people but that's just because i like it made a lot of sense and i believe a lot of it but then the ending is my own like spin on everything that kind of happens. Yeah, I like that. I don't think I really have anything to add to that because I kind of, I like it a lot. <laughs> the only thing that really, that I said is a wedge is those like fat people is that there were two comics about the original Little Nightmares that showed the fat people in a city that looks very similar to Pale City. Every dystopian so, city looks similar. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm like... I don't know if it actually says it is Pale City or not. I forget. But if it does, my counter argument is that these were the wealthy people that managed to escape. That's why they were quickly trying to flee Pale City. And that's why they're grotesque fat because they were able to, they were the high society. 
while what we saw was like poverty, the people who couldn't afford that, and that's why they morph into what they were, commit suicide, mm -hmm. all this stuff, and why they would seek out the doctor because they want a chance to change. But unfortunately, they turned into mannequins instead. Yeah, I mean, my thought is we only explored a small fraction of Pale City too, so those this could be like the poorer section, whereas the richer, gluttonous section is somewhere else. So, I mean, it's still possible that this all could be from Pale City. And if you're curious about the names of like Mono and Six. There are the, as I mentioned, the comics of four other kids. So, Mono, two, three, four, five, then six as six. So, <laughs> there you go. Six kids. Who knows? Maybe we'll eventually get a little bit about them. Yeah, maybe it's going to be I... like an, a six-game trilogy. Or... <laughs> but I'm very excited because the only thing that worries me a little bit is that the what was the name of the company that uh, originally made this uh, tarsier studios yeah they got merged or bought by a bigger studios mm. and so this was their last game on this series yeah, never because they couldn't hold the rights because bandai yeah Bandai. Whatever. I forget the second part of it. Yeah, like Bandai owns, Entertainment or something like that. Yeah, they own this, which they state they want to create more. But they're so going to ruin it. That's the only issue I have is that it's like they made such a great world and they have all this. So I'm worried about future because they said they are going to they want to expand on it. So we'll we'll just have to see what the future holds for us. Yeah, I hope they don't corporate corporatize it and make it terrible god i hope not but <sighs> only one way to you find have any, out anything questions comments about my theory or no, anything you want to say before? i liked most of it and i already told you the ones that i didn't like too much so i think that's a that about sums everything up my theories so, are pretty basic compared to yours <laughs> <laughs> but you have to imagine i i got really obsessed with this so i read up on all the comments i read all the comics myself i watched all the whole video of the first and second game all the way through again and very little nightmare so mm. i had a lot more to True. piece together to kind of get a broader picture of what exactly happened so fair enough my question to leave you guys on i know there was a lot that went on a lot with theories don't get me wrong please Tell us your theories. Tell us if you have questions, concerns about our theories. If you found any loopholes or anything you guys want to change, would be more than happy to like read all of your theories. But for my specific question of the day, why does Six let go of Mono? Mm -hmm. That is the big, probably the most the hazy theory out there. Because there's so many interpretations on it. And I want to hear all of your guys's on the big moment. Yeah. I would like to know that too, as well. And yeah, I want to know your theories too, because there's a lot of them out there. And I mean, most of them are wrong because the game studio <laughs> has their, their set um, settings and theories and ever, or stories and whatever. But 
they won't ever tell us so technically none of them are wrong until until proven otherwise just like how like 90 percent of our theories from the first one yeah (laughs) yeah seriously so that's what i love about it yeah i think that's about it though for this episode so yeah let us know why you think uh six lego mono and hit us up with your theories so that'll be all from us don't forget to show us some love and support at patreon.com slash weepspawn and of course don't forget to follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at weepspawn and you can contact us at weepspawn at gmail.com that'll be it from us i've been your host bobby and i'm joshua and we'll see you guys next time when we weep spawn <laughs>